When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Oristano. I played Mindy Colette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I played Billy Riggins. Our assumption is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. If you would like to support our show, subscribe to our free new YouTube channel where you can access exclusive content like our broadcast from ATX TV Festival that just dropped. To check it out, just go to YouTube, search for Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, FNL Rewatch Podcast. And as you may have noticed, we've been releasing new episodes on the podcast every other week. However, we're taking a week off for Thanksgiving. So episode 4-3 will be dropping November 29th. That's right. Join us as we recap all your favorite episodes and chat with amazing guests. And still, we want to answer your questions. Anything you would like to know, email us. ClearEyesFullArtsPod at gmail.com. Today, we're talking about season four, episode two, After the Fall. It was written by Carrie Aaron and directed by Michael Waxman. The NBC synopsis reads, a controversy at West Dillon lands star player Luke Cafferty on the Lions roster and Tammy gets caught up in the middle when she takes an unpopular stand. All right, there's a lot to unpack in this episode, but before we get into it, we're going to answer some fan questions. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Our first question comes from Anna Moser, or Moser, M-O-S-E-R, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, who asks, is it typical for a coach to only be a coach and not a teacher or some other job? She says, I haven't lived in the South, but have lived in Minnesota, North Dakota, and Oregon, and I've never heard of any type of coach only having that job. What does Coach Taylor do the other months (laughs) when football is not in season? That is actually a great question. Great question. (laughs) You know what? I actually had to do a little research on this myself because there are definitely high school coaches that strictly coach one sport. That's it. They don't teach. They don't do anything else. But my little brother is a coach. It's kind of imperative nowadays that if you're starting out, you do have to have a teacher certificate. You most likely have to have graduated from college if you want to be a head coach of a football team at some point in time. And most coaches are teachers. They're usually, I don't know for you, but for me, it was like we had a history teacher. We had that history was also teacher, a coach. Also the PE teacher was always the driver's coach. ed. Driver's ed coaches. Driver's <laughs> it is ed. odd that ha- that happens. 
but especially these bigger high schools in Texas where a guy's got a, a pedigree, you know what I mean? Some guy who's literally like, that is his job. That may just be his only job. Now, let's also remember that there was a point in time where coach was also the athletic director of Dylan mm-hmm. High. And a lot of coaches that are the head football coach or whatever will also assume the role of athletic director. I mean, that's what it was at, at my high school. We had the head baseball coach who was also an assistant coach because we were a baseball high school more than a football high school. Our head baseball coach, who was like this guy who was a god among baseball coaches, was the head baseball coach, but also the athletic director and also an assistant coach on the football team. But then our head football coach was a history teacher. Yeah, always history. This is interesting, though, because now I really do wonder what Coach Taylor does off season. I mean, maybe we'll find out. I don't know. I will say some of the assistant baseball coaches for at my school were also substitute teachers. The girls mm-hmm. were very excited when they came to substitute because they were also minor league baseball players and they were extremely cute. Those were yeah, good they're days. Yeah, cute. They're in shape. I always hated those guys because all the girls would always be like, oh, oh my God, they were so cute. You know? <laughs> and I was stuck as, as like a gangly teenager, still zits on my face and short and hadn't quite gone through puberty 100% yet. So yeah, it was it's always lovely when those guys came in to substitute. God, I, I really do want to know what Coach Taylor does off season now. Now I have this visual image of him just laying around on the couch all day when Tammy comes home from work. I know. And she's like, please do something. At least make dinner. That's why she drinks so much wine. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Next question comes from Brittany in Indiana who writes, Friday Night Lights is known for simple moments that carry so much weight and meaning. What are some of your favorite simple moments in the show that speak volumes to you? One moment I can think of as a viewer is when, yeah, when Smash goes to Coach Taylor's house to thank him for all he has done for him in season three right before he leaves the show. That's a great one, Brittany. Oh, that was Brittany's great moment. That was Brittany's. Well, not my, I wish I, that's a great one. What's your great moment, Stace? I don't know if I have a specific one. There's a moment that I, I'm going to talk about in this episode. It's a thing that Kyle Chandler does. It either is just the end of a scene or if he's given a scene and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to say those words. I can do it with a look. And he does it with a look. And you know everything he's thinking in that moment. Those are some mm-hmm. of my favorite moments. There's so many beautiful little simple moments on this show. I mean, maybe one of my favorite, and I guess maybe technically it's not simple a moment, mm-hmm. but Annie in the end of season three, when she's reading her essay to get into college. Oh, when they're in the car and the voiceover? No, no, no. When they're actually in the hotel room. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. That was the crappy one was in the car. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where Landry was telling her what she needed to do. Yeah. She's sitting there in the hotel room with Landry. And she's reading her essay and we do this little montage where we cut to all the other characters in Friday Night Lights. Just a beautiful, simple moment. I mean, it's not anything crazy, but I guess it's not super simple because there is a montage yeah, involved. I mean, simple but... Also, Jesse Plemons was always so good at a throwaway line. They're some of my favorite moments. Like even if, it, you, if you're not paying attention, you might not have heard it, but they're just gold. And he's so good at that. Just dry, barely letting it happen. Love it. Yeah. There's so many moments on this show. I don't know. It's hard to pin one down. I mean, my favorite personally for me is just probably the last scene that I had on the show, which is just me and my brother sitting there on that property, looking out over that field and saying Texas forever. It's a simple moment. It was simple and loaded with five years of everything. Yeah. I have a picture in my house framed that Taylor Kitsch sent me about three months after we had wrapped. Mm. I had lost a pair of sunglasses on his boat and I was like, sweet, he found my sunglasses because they were an expensive pair of sunglasses. And it turns out it was a picture frame that he had sent, which was oh, nice. Oh, so I mean, it was like, was nice. yay, oh, yay. 
Yes, it was a yay off. Okay. I was like, sweet, he found my sunglasses. Oh, oh. oh it's a framed picture of the two of us I in like that the awesome picture. moment. He texts Tay and you're like, this is so amazing. Thank you, dude. Um, My sunglasses. Did you ever find my sunglasses? <laughs> Meanwhile, he's cruising around Austin with them on his face, probably. But the good news is those sunglasses would not have been cool now. That was 12 years ago. And that framed picture is cool now. So yeah, I'll take it. You did win in that trade-off. Listeners, I do want to tell you the amount of time that I have spent listening to Derek talk about that specific pair of sunglasses and Taylor Kitsch talk about the orange hat he lost off of his motorcycle would add up to weeks of my life. That pair of sunglasses, though, just to reiterate, Stacey, (laughs) I know you've heard this story. (laughs) Guys, I bought a uh, pair of yeah. Oliver Peoples sunglasses. I will never do that again. They, but they were your first fancies. It's a they big were deal. fancy sunglasses. I had them for all of about an hour and a half. This is why I buy them at 7-Eleven. I buy sunglasses at, for like $10. We were going out on Taylor's boat. Kitch had just gotten his boat clean. And so we're going out on the boat. We get it into the water. And the minute we get into the water, it starts sinking. Water's coming on board. Kitch is like, dude, what? So he had just gotten the boat clean and there's a thing called a bilge pump on the back, which they hadn't put it back in. And it basically just opens up the boat. So the boat is just taken on water. For anyone oh, who's fun. a boatsman out there or a seafarer, they probably know more about this stuff than I do. But anyway, mm-hmm. we had to like pull the boat back in. And in that process, I set my sunglasses down like on the side of the boat and they, of course, fell off into the water. I'm sure that's what happened. Some super cool fish looks amazing down there in the water. Probably. Okay, but guys, I don't do this. I'm not that guy, but I spent $400 on a pair of sunglasses. No, they were great sunglasses. And I sunglasses. lost them in an hour. And it just made me sick to my stomach. It still makes me sick That's to my stomach. why you don't buy expensive sunglasses. That does not answer Brittany's question at all. But <laughs> How did we get here? Oh my God, ask the next question know. before people sorry, leave our Brittany. podcast. Stay with us. All right, our final question comes from Stav Arnoff, who says, I have to say season four kind of felt like a soft spinoff to me when I first watched it given how large a portion of the main cast isn't there. Did you know that this is where the show was going to go while you were shooting season three, having all these new characters? Did it feel like a different show for you on set? You know what's interesting is that right before we started this podcast, we were talking about how I can't read without my readers, (laughs) and I don't have my readers right now. And so I apologize for that terrible reading. We actually talked about this in the previous episode when we had Jason Kadams on because I had no clue that this is where the writers were going until we started getting the scripts for season four. Like we knew how season three ended and we're like, okay, yeah, I mean, coach, that's a big, you know, thing that they set up that coach may end up at this other high school, but surely that's not what's going to happen. And then it happened and it was like, wow. I mean, half of our main cast was gone. Mm -hmm. And then all these new kids came in and, and we, we talked about this in pretty in depth in the, in the previous episode. Yeah, but. we have recorded. It hasn't aired for you guys yet. So you'll hear it before you hear this. Yeah. It was a shock and it did feel like a new show. And I'm also going to say at the same time, it absolutely didn't. Listen, we did lose Jeffrey Reiner, but we still had Jason Kadams, Michael Waxman. And from the top down, we still had Kyle and Connie. And so we mm. had a bit of that family that was still there. So all of that stayed in place. And for me coming in four and five were the times I was there the most. I actually stayed in Austin the whole time, those seasons, which I'd never done before. It felt different for me in that way. And also I was thinking how lucky we are that the writers were so smart to try to keep enough characters around that people felt comfy. And part of that ended up being you and me. How Mm -hmm. freaking lucky are we that that was a thing that happened and helped move the seasons forward. 
I, I 100%. So yeah. So lucky. I totally feel lucky. I feel even more lucky in season five when Taylor was gone. Yeah. And I knew that Taylor was going to be gone shooting a film. And I was like, well, if Taylor's gone, there's no reason Taylor's for me to gone, be there. Taylor's gone. My sister's gone. Oh, you guys still yeah. want us here? What? Yeah, that, I was really surprised by that. Yeah. But let me go back and say that I wasn't shocked like once I was on set. Like once we got the working, it was like, okay, cool. And the yeah. storylines were still great. And the actors that they brought in were amazing, but it was, you know, like a shock to the system when we first got there for season four. And it was like, okay, what is this going to be? There was a little finding our feet Nervous. too, especially the new series regulars finding the footing and jumping into our guerrilla style shooting and like, oh God, okay. They got through mm -hmm. into the fire real, real fast. They did perfectly well. But yeah, it was a little, I would say shaky at the beginning, but then gelled so quickly. I think that's a testament also to Linda Lowy and Peter Berg, because Peter Berg yeah. was definitely back and had a major hand in casting this new group of kids. That's what we mean when we say from the top down. That's why it yeah. all works. It's Linda Kadams and then down to like Kyle Connie and Waxman and everybody. We talked about this with Jason Kadams too. It's very, very, I mean, it's not rare in the history of television to have a reboot midway through a show. That happens all the time. It very rarely happens and is pulled off well. Yeah. You get Danny Cooksey instead of Gary Coleman on different strokes. Danny Cooksey. I love pulling out that reference because nobody knows what I'm talking <laughs> about. And nothing against Danny Cooksey, but he's no Gary Coleman. Come on, baby. Just really fast therapy session. All of my trust issues stem from when they changed Aunt Viv's on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It absolutely mm. ruined my life. So... Sometimes it doesn't work, readers, uh, readers, listeners. That's where my trauma started. And part of the reason why I think that this transition did work is we weren't trying to replace characters. It's like a spinoff. It was. It was kind of like a soft spinoff. Mm -hmm. As Stacey said, there were enough of us around that it made the audience feel comfortable. And then once we got to know these new characters over a period of time, it was like they'd always been a part of this story. That's what it was. It's like you guys have been here all along. There's going to come a point, and I'll definitely reference it when we get to it, but it's in like the fourth or fifth episode of this season where there's this scene with Vince and he's like crying in the middle of the street. And I can't remember specifically what it is. I just You're have this spoiling visual. spoiling stories for me. Yeah, but I just remember this moment and viscerally feeling for Vince in that moment and going, oh, our writers and these actors are sneaky because Darn all you, of a sudden Friday I Night care Lights. about these guys. Yeah. And it was so subtle. I was like, I didn't realize that I had grown an attachment to these characters at this point. And I wow. have. So yeah, that's kudos to our writers though. And Michael B. Jordan for yeah. just being a good actor. Oh guys, those were really right. good questions this week. Thank you. Yeah. I hope we answered some of them and didn't mm. go too far off tangent. Mm. Uh, Stacy, you want to jump into this rewatch? Yeah. I want you to look for your sunglasses first and then let's jump into this rewatch. Why would you? <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I, in my day, have definitely TP'd a house and I have definitely forked a house. But what these people did to the Taylor house, that was time and dedication. <laughs> and I admire the 
dedication. The town of Dillon is nothing if not creative when it comes to tormenting Coach Taylor. Mm-hmm. You said you forked the house? Have you never forked a house? What is it? I don't even know it what that entails. It especially happens if you TP a house because, you know, God, is your, you've ever gotten your house TP'd, especially if it's raining, how hard it is to get the TP off the trees. I never got my house TP'd, but I definitely egged and TP'd a house. So what you do is after you do that, you place a bunch of plastic forks in the grass and then hopefully they get stepped on and those little prongs go up in their feet. I was a monster. I also played mailbox baseball because I was a bit of a monster. I mean, when we egged the house, we did it for good reason. This guy was a jerk and he kind of deserved it. Okay, good. As long as there's a reason. (laughs) Listen, that comes off with the hose. TP takes forever to get out. If it doesn't egg kind of ruin paint, I don't know. I don't know. It stinks anyway, too. I found that out the other day. So I was out of town and somebody was watching my dog, Zach. My buddy uh-huh. Zach was watching my dog and he had left some boiled eggs in the fridge. Oh, no. It's, it's and I forgot really about them. smelly. And I was like, oh, those boiled eggs are still there. I should probably give them to my dog before they go bad. And they were in like a Ziploc bag and I open it up and oh boy, that saying like a thing of rotten eggs or whatever, I don't think I'd ever really appreciate it until this moment. Oh God, I'm so glad that story didn't end with you giving it to Lucy because I've been with with your dog Lucy when she had bad tummies. That's the result of eggs. Man, with the tangents today, I got to stop. There are tangents, but you guys, when we do this, we write notes back and forth to each other. And I would like to say that in parentheses, Derek wrote here, talk about this puck. Oh, I forgot and, about um, that. Yes. What the heck? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, so, I mean, there are all kinds of ways to like, you know, you TP a person's house, blah, 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 blah. When I was in college. Oh, God. This was a prank that people would pull. So I went to school in Texas. There's a lot of people who chew tobacco in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so when you would have like an empty container of chew, it's basically a circular container and it looks almost like a hockey puck. <laughs> and you would take the lid off and pee inside of it and then freeze it overnight. And oh, then God. you would slide it under somebody's door. <laughs> we would do this in the dorm. I would never do this. I was an angel. I would never do it. They would just open it and it would have melted and then pee on their hands. So we had like tile floors in the dorm, like linoleum oh, floors in our dorm. You know what I mean? And so you would pee into a dip can, close it, stick it in your freezer, freeze it overnight, and then you would drop it on the floor, kick it under somebody's door in the middle of the night, and they'd wake up the next morning, and in the middle of their room, there's a little puddle of piss. And it's like, how did that little puddle of piss get here? Piss puck. That is the meanest thing I've ever heard. It's mean and it's disgusting. If any of our listeners are in college right now, please don't take after Derek. Or do. I turned out all right. What's next? Oh, God, it's a weird episode. Okay. <laughs> it is a weird episode. I feel like I've been waiting for this. Buddy coming to save the day. I'm ready for Buddy to change sides. I'm ready for Buddy to come over and be with Coach Taylor. I'm not sure it's fully happening yet, but I would like to say Luca Lion, which is now going to be what I call him. Please don't. Luca Lion. How about Luke is a lion now? I mean, yeah, that's proper, but yeah. Luca Lion? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, the craziest thing with like this mailbox situation is that this stuff kind of, I mean, not kind. It actually happens in high school football. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I love that Buddy Garrity is, he's on the fence, man. You know, he's about to jump ship. I'm digging it. We need somebody stealthy. It's like gotta Buddy. be hard for Buddy though. He lives, eats and breeds Panthers. And now, ooh, I never thought yeah. about that. That's going to be a big switch. Yeah. Matt's art teacher tells him that he has pluck. I have always loved the word pluck, but I never actually knew what it was. And I'm a huge word nerd. And I looked it up. And pluck means spirited and determined courage. 
That's actually a good way of describing Matt. I think that's totally Matt. And I'll be honest with you. I think pluck, spirit, and determined courage mm-hmm. will take you a lot further in life than raw talent. That kid's got pluck. That kid's got a lot of pluck. A lot of pluck. It does sound like something you'd say, like you're smoking a cigar in a bar and you're like, tell you what, yeah. that kid's got a lot of pluck. Yeah, that other way he's got a lot of moxie. Yes. I don't actually know what moxie means, but I say it all the time. We'll have to look up. He's got moxie. He's got pluck. <laughs> I like him. Guys, Jesse Plemons ran over Journey Smollett. That's what I said in my brain because I adore these two specific actors in a way that supersedes FNL. And yes, it took me out of it. I took myself out of my suspension of disbelief, but I was like, that's Jesse and Journey. And he did that. That was very cool. It's a great way to introduce this new character onto the show. I love it. It also reminds me of like two weeks ago where I backed my car into a Tesla. Pretty much the same exact way. You hit way. a Tesla? I did. Yeah. And unfortunately, it didn't lead to a potential romance, spoiler alert. But I did have to pay for repairs. So that was fun. I mean, you could have done like an 84 Accord, but you chose a Tesla. Yes. No, I chose a Tesla. Congratulations. Hey, it could have been worse. It could have been like a Maserati or something. A Bugatti. That would have been <laughs> terrible. But yeah, I love this introduction of Journey and her character. We see that she also has a lot of moxie. A lot she of has moxie. <laughs> also, I just every time I see her, I go... God, she's stunning. Yeah, she really is. So ridiculously pretty. That's why I was upset when I ran my car into that Tesla. That journey wasn't inside. There wasn't someone that looked (laughs) journey-like inside. Maybe next time. We'll find your meat cute someday. Richard Sherman, who is playing our eccentric art man, is played by an actor named John Deal, who has, and I kid you not, 153 credits to his name on IMDb. So I guarantee you, you've seen him in something. I think our last one was, who's the guy that played your dad? Brett Cohen. Had, I think, 113, 115. And we were like, my God, that's a lot. This guy has 150. He works all the time. Yeah, John hasn't stopped working. I was really excited when John came on the show just because I grew up in Miami in the height of like Miami Vice and there was literally nothing bigger than Miami Vice and John had a major role on Miami Vice for 50 some episodes or I something. I never watched it. <gasps> you never watched? I was too young. I will say this, Stacy. I don't know that Miami Vice is a TV show on the whole, like the whole entire arc of, you know, however many seasons it was holds up, but that pilot 100% holds up. I, I would say pilot. go watch the pilot it. tomorrow. It's an hour long and it's so cool. I mean, that? Don Johnson, the first shot of him, you're like, oh man, that guy is effing cool. Okay. But yeah, I was really excited that John Deal was on the show just because I was a big Miami Vice fan as a kid. I also love that FNL loves putting unique body types in Tidy Whiteys. We've got yeah. mine and Joey Oglesby's. Mm-hmm. It's it's a body positive show when it comes to white bit. men and tidy white. I just a little bit. I also <laughs> I found myself thinking I am dying for a scene, and we've had like maybe two or three, a scene where Maddie Saracen gets to just sit in a comfortable place and giggle and laugh and not have something thrown in his face that's an obstacle. <laughs> just like sit in a car with Julie and eat ice cream and tell each other jokes or something. We'll give you that. Maybe he gets one minute of that. Like maybe that's the final episode or something. I, I don't love know. it. So you and Taylor are building your house and you say Texas forever. And he just like comes in and sits down and he's like, yeah, guys. And he licks his ice cream cone because he wouldn't drink beer. I kid you not, guys. I don't know what's happening with this episode. Okay, really? Here's my next note. Ooh. I love Matt Loria. I love him as a human. 
I love him as an actor. I love him just as a spirit that wanders this earth. We kind of saw him in the first episode and it actually surprised me because I get to work with him a lot later. What we saw in that first episode with him being kind of a little snotty and JD's little sidekick confused me. But this intro that we get here with him and Tammy, that's the one that I know. And oh my God, what a great scene and introduction to a character. Great scene. So good. He crushed it. And then on top of it, like there's a lot of similarities in some respects between Luke Cafferty and Matt Loria. I mean, they're both like Matt's a good dude. He's, He's just so a good, nice guy. Sweet. Yeah, he is. We had Jason Kadams on in the previous episode and we talked about how important it was that these new characters have a life all their own. We talked about that a little bit before and that they aren't replacement characters that are no longer on the show. And the first time we meet Luke, we see this good looking stud football player. Mm. But what we don't see is that stuff underneath that he's really a sweet kid with a strong moral code. He's loaded with insecurities, but he's also simply someone who just wants to do the right thing. Yeah. Great introduction to the character. So I love Matt so Loria good. and I love him in this part. He's so respectful of his elders. <laughs> you know what Luke Cafferty never did? What? Piss puck. Probably not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think there was a lot of piss pucking going on for Luke Cafferty or Matt Loria. Oh boy. I'm never going to hear that. Okay. The end so of piss cool. Puck. Cool. 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 Next scene, you just talk about Mindy farting. Cool, cool, cool. Well, maybe if you didn't fart so much, we wouldn't talk about it. I didn't realize. I didn't know. I see again. Part of my process <laughs> as an actor is I, which I didn't do for this. I read everything that I say about myself, and I read everything other characters say about me, so I get to know who I am. Going to tell you guys, didn't know Mindy was a farter until now. <laughs> hey, maybe I improv that line. I can't remember. I was just pregnant, so it happens. Who knows? I always love these scenes though with Taylor and I. It's like the two idiots are like the Keystone Cops, and the whole thing with him and the violin. He was saying, pass me the violin. Yeah, Taylor totally improv that. I know 100% because Taylor Kitsch by himself can be a dog with a bone when he grabs onto something that he loves. Yeah. And so he said, pass me the violin. You're it. And then at the end of the scene, he was like, no, Billy, give me the violin. And I'm like, oh, that's all Kitsch. We love doing this with each other. But anytime Billy has a thing that he's got to do, like he's got to buy groceries, it's like the child picking at the mom, annoying him. We would try to find those moments on the show. Oh, and specifically, like Billy's trying to handle a phone call. There's somebody on the other line. So I said, shut up. No, not you, ma'am. And I don't think that that was scripted either. It but it was from him funny. poking. It takes a scene, which was really just a transition scene to have Madison call mm-hmm. the shop so that Tim could get over there and pick her up. There's a twinkle that happens in Taylor Kitsch's eye when he grabs a little bone and you know he's not going to let go of it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh God, now he's, he's loving it. He's, <laughs> and he does that to me regularly, not just to Billy. That's totally a thing he would still do to us. Yeah, it's like a little brother thing. It's like a poke. I'm poking you. Yeah, you see that? Poking you. My little brother used to do that. He'd sit there because he knows I'm not a big fan of people's feet. I don't like feet. I don't you like don't feet like touching feet. me. Yeah. No, I don't like feet touching me. My little brother would sit there with his feet just like an inch away from me. I'm not and touching. Like, I'm not touching. What? I'm not touching you. And I'm like, <laughs> Ryan, better move your feet. Oh, what? And the minute one of them would touch me, I would just pound on him. Oh, brother. Literally just wrote in the notes, Joe McCoy, you're the worst. I mean it now. He is. I've yes. meant it before. I'll mean it again. <laughs> Joe McCoy is the worst. But I'm going to say this. If he's right about the mailbox being there long before he got there, there could be some serious consequences for Coach and for the Dillon Panthers. We're talking state titles being lost. It could be really bad. It's this full-on blackmail that he's doing, though. Oh, yeah. 100%. It doesn't surprise me from him, but good Lord. Also, the next scene we go to, Kitch 
Picking up Becky. Also, she's sort of maybe like a little evil genius that she got a ride to school this way. But Becky is a lot. Yes, she is a lot. I very much know my storyline with her later. The introduction is, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm not a huge fan of Becky at this moment in the show. Not yet. I know I do. Not yet. I will be. I do fall in love with her. Some of the other characters, smoother introductions, maybe. Maybe not the smoothest. Mm -hmm. This is a slow burn. It's a slow burn. And it should be. She's supposed to annoy Riggins, and she does. As far as annoying is concerned, she's (laughs) succeeding. Guys, and I swear, because we'll be done with the introduction soon. It's time. It's time for Angela Rana, one of the greatest loves of my life, to show up (sighs) on our screen. Okay, pause. Derek, have you ever met someone in your life who, just by being around them, you feel better, you feel safe, you feel healed, you feel good just because they're there. Yeah. I have a handful of people who are like this. My sister-in-law is one, and I get you Angela is another one. When she is around, I feel safe. If I feel a little sick for some reason, I don't feel sick anymore. And she's not actively doing it. It's like she's shamaning or anything. Her presence is healing in a way that is like so warm. I cannot speak highly enough about her, but also it made this scene so hard to watch because she's that good. I mean, I never thought about it that way before with Angela, but yeah, she is kind of that way. Oh, God, I love Like she always made me feel like really confident. She was always like, you're so cute. You're so, and I was like, thank you so much. Safe. She made me feel like I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. ailments went away. It's just her. I will say this. The first time I met Angela was after I'd seen her on the show. I hadn't met her yet. You know what I mean? You guys may not realize this, but I mean, obviously we shoot at all these different places all over town. And there's a lot of times where there are people that have been on the show four, five, six episodes and you never meet them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You may meet them in an after party somewhere. You meet them at a bar, but you don't actually meet them at work. But yeah, Angela is super talented. And I was shocked when I met her in person for the first time because Mm -hmm. she's confident, really beautiful. She's gorgeous. Hair and makeup today fantastic job making her look so rough in these scenes. And she does an amazing job of just in general playing a drug addict who's basically hit rock bottom. Angela, awesome people. Yeah, she's coming on, guys. We're going to have her on soon. Also, side story, she and my aunt who lives in Florida have created their own very separate relationship aside from me. They found each other on Facebook and fell in love. And like, I don't even get to know what they talk about anymore. Here's an interesting little side note. When Coach is sitting in that gas station eating a burrito, did you know this, Stacey? That he was eating a burrito? When he's eating a burrito, there's a guy who asks him if he knows how to get to Lubbock. And it's a very odd conversation, much like this whole entire episode for us, Stacey and I, is a very odd. <laughs> it's a very odd conversation with him about getting his inner pirate back. It's just a weird scene. And you're it like, what's if very you're weird. A, a person who isn't a college football fan, you might be like, what the hell was that? Oh, I was 100% what the hell is happening. Okay, good. Well, that's former Texas Tech head coach Mike Leach, who is a bit of an eccentric genius. Is he a legend? He is. No, 100% a legend. And he's a genius offensive coordinator and inventor of the air raid offense, but we don't need to get into that. That's the other podcast. Yeah. Mike Leach has a fascination with swashbucklers. His office is covered with pirate paraphernalia, and it's earned him the name pirate. So it's kind of a little drop in there for anyone who's like a huge college football fan like I am. We had a, what's it called? An Easter egg. Yes. I didn't know we had Easter eggs on our show. We had a little bit of an Easter egg. For me, it was like, dude, that's so cool. We had Mike Leach on the show. Oh my God. I bet so many people that had the same reaction. I thought this guy is cuckoo. Mike Leach is kind of cuckoo. This is what I was talking about when we answered the fan question of one of my favorite moments. Kyle's face during this scene is one of my favorite things I've ever seen. 
Kyle just staring yeah. at him while that guy's talking, I'm going to make it like my home screen on my phone. It's kind of a shame. And Kyle and I would talk about this a lot when we were doing this show that Kyle has to play straight man all the mm-hmm. time. Always. You know what I mean? So he doesn't really get to have these comedic moments. At least he doesn't have these big, broad comedic moments like Billy mm-hmm. gets to have. But when he gets an opportunity to add some humor to a scene, I mean, it's a very simple thing that he does there with his mouth agape, yeah. but keeping the burrito in frame with half a bite taken out of it. <laughs> I know it's a simple thing, but guys, I'm telling you, the burrito is doing half the work. Well played, Kyle Chandler, once again, you son of a... Oh, what a like, fun little scene, though. And for college football fans, it was just like, dude! I had no idea. Yeah, it was so cool. I have to tell you, when I looked on the call sheet and I saw that Steve Harris had joined our show, I freaked out a little bit. So he's playing Jess Merriweather's dad. I'm not sure we learned his first name, Ray, because he's Ray's barbecue, yes. right? I don't know if his name is Ray. He is Mr. Merriweather. To me, he's Steve Harris. I was <laughs> obsessed with the practice, which he was on the whole time. And little sidebar note, guys, his brother was in The Wire with Michael B. Jordan. He played Avon Barksdale. That's the first time I've heard this. Yeah. I mean, I know who Wood Harris is. I had no clue that Wood Harris and Steve Harris were brothers. That's a talented family. Yeah, that's crazy. Although when you say it now, like I can kind of see it. Yeah, if you put them side by side. Steve is kind of like the smushed version of him. Mm-hmm. He's just stacked. He's a jacked dude. I mean, they're both big. They're know. big guys. Wood Harris is tall, though. I bumped into Wood Harris at a gas station in LA, and I felt like an idiot in hindsight. As he was leaving, I said, where's Wallace? And he went, ah, ha, ha, and gave me a point. That's a wire reference. You were the Mike Leach to Coach Taylor in that situation <laughs> at a gas station? Yes, it was. It was at a gas station in LA. Where's Wallace is a reference to a wire, which I know we've said. Basically, guys, once this show is over with and you're done listening to our rewatch, go watch The Wire. I agree. And with you, it got it's forced amazing. on me and I love it. There's a lot of crossover, actually, of FNL people, Michael B. Jordan being probably mm-hmm. the biggest, but a lot of people from The Wire. Oh, yeah, we've had another one. We've had two before. Mm-hmm. But the character Herc was named after one of the characters on The Wire. Our writer's room was obsessed with The Wire. Yeah. Rollin Jones. Forget it, Rollin Jones. When they found out Michael B. was coming on the show, they were a little, like, super geeky about yeah, it. I remember I remember one night where it was me and you and Michael B and Rollin Jones. We yeah. all went out for drinks and Rollin was just like fanboying on Mike. That was the most important. I don't want to spoil it. The ending of your story was the most important story in The Wire or maybe of television ever. And I was like, Rollin, take it down a notch. Friday Night Lights is a good show. He's like, it's a good show. Take it down the Wire's a, a great show. And I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> on a completely and totally different note, I really love this scene with Tim and Coach out on the practice field. I don't know. There's something really special about coming back and talking to your mentors after you've graduated. I don't know about you, Stace, but I remember grabbing dinner one time with a former college professor of mine when he was in New York. And I always found it fascinating the way that that wall kind of comes down, that wall between teacher and student. Yeah, when you're sort of adults together. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like kind of adults together now. It's not so much of the mentorship thing anymore. And it's more just friends. In that moment, you kind of see Coach like showing some of his fears. We've never really seen that side of Coach before, and we definitely haven't seen that side of Coach in front of his players. There's something about those moments that really humanizes these people that you put up on a pedestal. Very little is said between the two of them in this scene, probably because Kyle cut all the lines. There are also two characters that don't say a lot, both of them. Yeah, talk low, talk slow, and don't say too much. Yeah. But Tim's smile at the end kind of says everything. Mm -hmm. Lovely little scene here by all involved. Great job by our writers, specifically Carrie Aaron, Mm -hmm. in capturing this moment. And maybe a little bit to give the audience, like, guys, you're still safe. The characters you love are still here and together. Like, don't worry. A little boost up. Yeah. Oh, God, this Tammy Taylor walking into this just room full, table full of men and giving them the what for. 
yes, that is the Tammy Taylor I love. It's just so smart what she did. Yeah. And you know what? Take that, Joe McCoy. Take that and take your ring and eat it. I love this scene. It's pretty spectacular because she comes in there, drops a massive threat to the whole entire table and has a smile on her face the whole entire time. It reminds me of like these interviews that I've seen with Dolly Parton because Dolly Parton's like this genius businesswoman. Yeah. But also like plays it off as like this charming, sweet, naive Southern woman who just would never hurt a fly. And Tammy comes in there and just bam on the table kind of, but with a smile the whole entire time. And that super sweet voice, y'all. I'm just going to talk like this and let you know that I have you. But also in that moment, Buddy gets a look like, oh, it's maybe time for me to really make change. I think the wheels really start to turn for Buddy in this next scene. But you're right. I think this is the start. We talked about this on the previous episode with Jason Kadams about how and when Jason lost his love for the Panthers. Tammy gets up at the Panther pep rally to speak and she gets booed by the crowd. They start booing and hissing her. And in that moment, Jason Kadams, our showrunner, the guy who created these storylines. Our boss of all of us. Yeah, says he was officially done with Dylan when he saw that happen. And I'm like, you created this. What do you mean? Because he was saying to us, he was like, I just couldn't imagine a world where I wouldn't love the Panthers. And he's like, when they started booing Tammy Taylor, I was done. But you know who else I think is done in that moment? Buddy Garrity. The camera pans over. We see Joe McCoy. And we see a look on Buddy Garrity's face where it's like, this isn't right. Buddy Garrity has like a moral conundrum. I'm with you. Great execution by all the background actors in that scene for making me hate them. Oh, yeah. The cheerleaders taking a knee in front of him, too. Like all of it was. Great execution by Joe McCoy and Wade Aikman. I mean, they really are playing up these guys that you just do not like. DW must be having so much fun playing somebody this bad. I never get to play because I sound like this. I sound like a 12 year old. (laughs) Nobody buys that I'm a bad person and I don't get to play a baddie must be so fun. I get to play a bad guy a lot and I love it. Do you? It's, it's so super fun, fun, right? Yeah. So I it's killed so a girl fun. on CSI, but it was an accident because, spoiler, we got in a food fight and I threw a pork chop bone and it got stuck in the artery on my neck. <laughs> Just like real life. Oh, I love it. That's the only time I'm a bad person. I got stabbed in the neck with a pen on a show called Trauma. Oh, I remember that with the, the prosthetic pen that was in the... Uh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't like neck stuff. It makes me freak out. You don't out. like neck stabbings? Uh, I don't like, oh, when somebody slices their throat on TV, I literally get very, viscerally sick. Not a fan of that stuff. You huh? know how you All don't right. like feet? Yeah. Ugh, you don't like neck just, stabbings? I, right. I don't, I don't want pens and necks. Well, Stacy, yeah. keep your feet away from me and you won't get stabbed in the neck. Oh, Think about God. that. Guess who's getting a piss puck under their door this week. All right. I love that Luke is wearing his Panther shirt to his first lines <laughs> practice. I know there's no malice about it. He literally probably, that was what he had on and he found out he had to run to the field and he went and then the bonfire and I was like, now it's symbolic. But also he's just an eager little kid and he's like, I'm ready, I'm ready, coach, put me in, I'm ready to practice. I love his character. He brings a new energy to Friday Night Lights for sure. Just fun stuff. I love it. I was also like, that's so much money and you guys don't have a lot of money, but that's okay. Burn. You can burn the jerseys. We'll start over fresh. We'll talk about that next week. Because there's going to be some repercussions for that. However, heck yes, give me an impassioned coach speech with a soft guitar under it. My goosebumps come out and I just want to say FNL, baby. 
Yeah, coach kept saying, who will finish this fight with me? Will you finish this fight with me? And I'm sitting there on my couch and I'm like, I'll finish this fight with you, coach. Great FNL moment. I love that Vince was first too. And then Landry, who to me seem like they're going to come out as team captains. I don't know what happens. A little tank action. Also, yes, I am trying to create a catchphrase for this podcast. I'm going to do it for you one more time so that you can see how you feel about it. Are you ready? I don't know if I feel about Don't judge it yet. I need you to sit in it. Don't judge it yet. I'm just trying it on. I sat in it and uh, (laughs) I'm not a fan. (laughs) I sat in it long enough. All right. I'm not done yet. (laughs) Question. Tim wants to help coach and he says yes. But during practice, Tim is getting drunk at a bar. So I don't understand the help he gives. Stacey, you don't understand football. It's okay. It's 100% not true, but sure. Go on and talk to me about it. (laughs) Maybe you just don't understand the subtleties of a game Mm -hmm. like football. A lot of high school football. I don't know about that. Like, what do you think they went and did together when they walked to the field? I don't don't know. You know what they did? They set up a bonfire and a pile full of jerseys. And then Tim went to the bar. I don't know what they did. It doesn't matter. Does it? Does it matter? I don't know. A little bit to me, it matters because I'm going to go forward and tell you my next thing. I know what your next thing is. I'm not griping. I am just saying, coach comes home and admits to Tammy that he did lie. Mm -hmm. I love him not being a perfect human. I love the fallibility of it. I love her instant yes acceptance. Thank you for being honest with me. I don't get why Buddy Garrity would drive coach all the way to the fake address if coach knew it existed. Couldn't he just sit in his car and be like, hey, guess who's using the fake address? That star player over on the Panthers, Luke Cafferty. Boom. And I get we wouldn't get to see the beautiful Texas shot of the open field and the sunset, but I would also like to note that this is how I am going to end this episode. Because FNL, baby! I'm going to approach this as a public defender, Stacey. Oh, okay. I'm ready. And this is what I'm going to say. If I'm not mistaken, all of this goes back to Voodoo. If you remember correctly, Voodoo voodoo was required to have lived in Dillon for at least 30 days before he would be cleared to play. The boosters lied and said that he had been there for the 30 days. When the athletic commission finds out that Voodoo had not actually been in Dillon for 30 days, they threatened to forfeit one of Dillon's games. Mm -hmm. Coach and Buddy go to meet with the athletic commission. And before the meeting, Coach tells Buddy he won't lie to keep his win. As it turns out, Buddy knows the guy who's in charge of the athletic commission, so Dylan doesn't wind up forfeiting. But now, Coach knows about Buddy and the boosters lying about Voodoo and giving a fake address. So yes, Coach knew that a fake address at one point existed. He didn't know where it was or what the address was. And to the best of my knowledge, it was never used again under his tenure. Well, to the but best, But he knew yeah. the boosters yeah. did stuff like this. So yes. Because Joe McCoy seems like he has a lot of information. That's my argument for Coach. Here's yeah. what I truly believe, though. I think Coach screwed up. And I think Tammy bailed his ass out. 100%. If he knew that this fake address existed and he didn't do something to stop that, that's on him. He's the head coach. The buck stops there. It's a big deal. I mean, I guess it's cool that coach has flaws, but I don't like this. I think he has to. I don't like it either, but I also like that I don't like it. We can't have coach and Tammy be perfect because they're human. Nobody's perfect. I like a moment of falter. A falter? He did something like really wrong. And I like that about him. And also thought so long after was like, I did a wrong thing. I I lied to you. That's so human. It is. I definitely have done that. I like watching them not be perfect. 
I hear you. That's a big deal. I'm pretty positive that coach didn't like plant the mailbox. He didn't like that for sure. Of course, you it was probably I mean? run years before him. Yeah, this thing's been there for yeah. years. Coach maybe vaguely knew about it, didn't do anything about it. Yes, it is out of control what these boosters would do at Dylan to know exactly what they're doing at all times is tough, but it's a fault. You said voodoo Tatum. I did. I knew if I could distract you with some voodoo talk, you might buy my defensive coach. I buy both of our defenses of coach. And do you want to know why? Why? FNL, baby! Oh, boy. Here we go. Look out, because there's going to be a piss puck coming under your door any minute. All right, kids. That is it for Season 4, Episode 2. But please join us next time for Season 4, Episode 3, entitled In the Skin of the Lion. But until then, clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mindy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to Pod at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at Stacey Oristano. And I'm also on Instagram at underscore Derek Phillips. Check us out on YouTube and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.